Welcome to Bewildered. I'm Martha Beck, here with Rowan Mangan. At this crazy moment in history, a lot of people are feeling bewildered, but that actually may be a sign we're on track. Human culture teaches us to come to consensus, but nature, our own true nature, helps us come to our senses. Rowan and I believe that the best way to figure it all out is by going through bewilderment into bewilderment. That's why we're here. Hello. Hmm. It's us. Yeah. <laughs> Coming right up after this bit that we're saying now is going to be the final re-release in our series of four episodes that have been dedicated to Marty's change cycle model, which is a super cool way of describing how we all go through change. Oh. This one is on square four, Marty. Yeah, it's about reaching the destination of a change, which is relaxing into the fact that there is no absolute destination. There is something even better. If you are interested in the change cycle, and you should be, you can go to marthabeck.com slash change and find all kinds of information, including a handy visual aid. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025, but I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass and we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your north star hi i'm martha beck and i'm rowan mangan and this is bewildered the podcast for people trying to figure it out just like we are aren't we marty every day all day it can get tiring i think we try too hard sometimes we should figure that out let's try less all right but then again We have to do a podcast about it, so maybe we should Mm. do it more. So maybe (laughs) you should tell us and the listeners, what are you trying to figure out for sure, for reals? For reals? All right. So in my real life, outside of the scope of this slightly artificial environment of the podcast, Mm. this is what I'm trying to figure out. I got got tattoos, and once I got tattoos, I wanted more. (laughs) I, I don't think I'm this alone. In people. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun, right? And um it's kind of like getting logos on you or something. So it's but art. the next Yeah, yeah, man. But my art is like words, man, and I want to put words <laughs> on me next cuz pictures I don't know. I I'm I'm ready for the words to come on. But then okay. it turns out you have to choose the right words and I Imagine. usually want song <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> um so I, I want to put song lyrics on me, and I've got like a, some sh- like a short list of okay um, of song li- lyrics that I want to get tattooed on my body. But like, here's my dilemma. Here's what I'm trying to figure out: is what like there can be there are song lyrics that are undeniably cool. Oh yeah, and by cool I mean like thought provoking and soul enriching, and like yeah, that feels like true enough to kind mm-hmm. of brand my life with, you know? Mm, yeah, but you got to 
you got to f- like they got to pass the earworm test because I'm thinking, mm. like, what if you, you know, like every day you just have to like look at your watch, mm-hmm. you know, and then you've got like as soon as you look down at your watch to see what time it is, suddenly you've got staying alive, staying alive. Well, uh, that's not so uh, bad. Uh, it would remind uh, you to stay alive. Yeah, but I think. It- but then it's just in my head all the time and, and mm. round and round and then I look at my watch and then it's back. Ugh. I just I think it could be annoying or like now you're just somebody that I used to know somebody. Well, that would be that would be terrible to see that on your wrist every time you look. Like your wrist wouldn't Boy. even know you. <laughs> yeah, it's a bad – no, yeah, no, that's a bad example except it is an earworm. So it's I an example of that. I think you should get the lyric from MacArthur Park where it says um, that love um, – we are pressed between love's fevered pages like a striped pair of pants. Mm. Do you think I should put like at the the little accent on the e of striped you to have make to, sure to that make the everyone work. everyone knows? The other that... thing you could do is you could have yourself tattooed with a striped pair of pants, like the, over your whole lower body. No, Marty, I kind of love that. <laughs> I really do. I kind of love it. Yeah, you could just do trompe l'oeil. Over your whole body. Uh-huh. Like, you'd have to really pick out the outfit. But then you get it tattooed onto you. Boom, you're done. Just stay in a warm climate. Don't worry. The whole world's going that way. How about Maria Bamford's thing of, like, if you really love someone, you should get their face tattooed onto yours. <laughs> On top of your own face. And then you should get their arm here tattooed on your arm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, honey. Um, yeah. With us, that's really complex. We'd have to have two faces tattooed onto our face Mm. one in profile and one straight on i'd say but i'm thinking look this is getting a bit grand (laughs) it's getting very picasso-esque too it is you know what i'll I'll keep working on mine what are you trying to figure out okay so here's the thing my physical therapist whom i love for torturing me horribly once a week mysterious has given me this image in my mind of me instead of just like a creaky post-surgery person lifting weights and screaming that it was too hard. She has an image that she's put into my head of me running fleet-footed through the forest. Oh, like yeah. a deer. Yeah, and I even got a special pair of fleet-footed shoes and everything. Are they hoofs? They're, they're not unlike hoofs, I have to say. But I have, a, I have a sort of trauma memory of doing a seminar in Sedona, Arizona many years ago where with 12 middle-aged American women. Actually, I think there was someone from Trinidad and Tobago. But uh, we went out to be fleet-footed in nature. It was kind of deserty, but kind of scrubby. And the whole idea was that you can hear people coming. If you're tuned into the landscape, you can hear that the landscape is disturbed where there are people. So when you sense the disturbance, you run and hide behind a cactus or whatever. It's amazing and- what people will pay you money for. <laughs> I know, you have, to, you have to get really, here's the thing. Now we are women who run with the cacti. Yes, either do something really, really normal and right down the center of the lane, like Oprah, we're all going to Australia or whatever, or everybody gets a car. Or do something completely bizarre, like we're gonna ru- we're gonna go into the desert, and when we sense others coming, we're gonna hide. So th- this was all supposed to work really well. And like they never know make we your life there. work better. Yes, they'd never know we'd been there. They would just walk through, never knowing that we, you know, woodsy people were hiding behind the cacti. The problem was 
that we weren't nearly sensitive enough to hear the disturbance in nature. So the first thing we knew is we'd see other hikers coming around a bend, and then it was like, oh, my God, we had to disappear. So we'd see, like, a couple of European hikers with our walking sticks in each hand, one, two, one, two, and we'd look at them, and then everybody, these 12 women, would just scatter into the cacti. And... The tourists would be like, what's happening? What's happening? And they would run after us and we would try to hide and they'd be like, tell us what's happening with their walking sticks. What are we hiding from? What's it coming together? It was a debacle. Oh and I don't want that to happen again. So I'm going to have to be, yeah, really fleet footed or really, or I don't know, wear a, wear a balaclava. What is the hat that covers your face? Balaclava. Balaclava, yeah. But then baklava if I'm running... Is, is the tasty Middle Eastern honey mm. sweet. So if I'm running through the forest with baklava on my head, <laughs> I think I'll get a replay of Sedona. So I really like the idea that what you did was like when you heard someone coming and there's like a disturbance in nature, you all just froze like mimes. <laughs> yeah, we did. In, we weren't in... supposed to. We were supposed to slither like, like weasels. Just... <laughs> no one would know but instead there was like a full five seconds of us just going (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) and then running everywhere and one woman had this huge brightly flowered hat on (laughs) you could not miss the sight of this thing bouncing through the desert (laughs) it was what were you trying to teach them we were trying to teach them to to be invisible in nature, to be such a part of nature that the, the civilized... I've been doing this a while, Rowie. I'm taking different approaches. Right now we're doing a podcast about going back to nature and leaving culture. At that time, we were trying to literally physically do it by running into the cacti wearing flowery hats. Some things work better than others. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> so cruel to me. What on earth did you do before I came along? Oh, you don't want to know. You really uh, don't want to know. I think I just found out. <laughs> we'll be right back with more Bewildered. We don't say this enough. We are so glad you're a Bewildered listener. And we're hoping you might want to go to the next level with us. By which I mean, if you rate and review the podcast, it helps new people find us so we can keep bewildering new souls and you know how much we love that. Ratings are very much appreciated. Obviously, the more stars you give us, the more appreciation is forthcoming. Reviews are quite simply heaven and we read everyone and exclaim over them and we just love you all. Mwah. Enlighten the people as to today's topic. Okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to cleanse my mind of the imagery. If you see me dashing and hiding behind a plant in the house just now, you'll know why. I think of that thing in movies where um, you're hiding behind a plant and then you like pick the, because it's like a pot plant, and you pick yeah. up the pot plant and you go, doo, 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 and then you put it down again. Very effective. Yeah, so like that, but with cactus, it's confusing. It's confusing. Ow! Visual. <laughs> Today, Marty, yeah. on this very serious podcast. Oh, yeah. We will be discussing what you call Mm. in your system, your cosmology of of cactus, (laughs) you call square four. Now, the the paying attention kind of listener Um. will, you know, they're kind, uh, they will remember that we've 
at various times done a show on each of the first three of four squares. All right. And if you go to the show notes, you will find the episodes and links. <gasps> yeah. 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 So the two that. Thank you, Julia. Um, and today it's time for us to come full square <laughs> and we're going to talk about square four. So, Marty, talk to us about the squares. What What are you on about with these squares? Okay. Why are so they square? So super fast. Um, the only thing people ever need to hear about from a coach, a life coach, is how to deal with something that they haven't dealt with before or they never figured out how to deal with. And there are, hmm. there are four stages in doing that. Is there four stages when a European tourist is chasing you through the desert? Oh, yeah. I could yeah. totally go through that. The cool. initial right. panic, uh, then the actual pursuit, then the capture, and then the <laughs> bloody brawl. It's terrible. And they have walking sticks. So, But that's a whole – that's a specialized set of squares, okay? <laughs> okay, babe. It's a bonus for our listeners. Yeah. Okay. So something happens in your life, something um, you get a shock, an opportunity, or um, just growth. You fall in love, you fall out of love, uh, you get a job, you lose a job, whatever. Something happens in your life and you go into a period of, first it's like, oh, death and rebirth. I, I've got to let go of my old um, identity and, and allow for a new one. You don't know what it is yet. We call that square one. It's like a caterpillar they're going into a cocoon and dissolving, which is what they do in there. Then we've got square two, which is where you start to get intimations of what your next identity will be. So that's like the caterpillar once it's dissolved, it has these little things in it called imago cells that tr get triggered when it's fully dissolved and they rebuild those same cells into a butterfly. I have the image of the butterfly inside the cell. It's kind of amazing. Precisely. And that's square two. We call it dreaming and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I do call it dreaming and screaming. because, But it's dreaming and scheming because you get these ideas. Like Rose trying to, thinking about getting a tattoo. She's also talked about changing her hair from the gracious badger, but I don't want her to. That's a whole different argument. But when you start getting a new identity, you start seeing yourself in new ways, you start dressing differently, you might rearrange your furniture, a new you is coming to the, to the surface, but you, you still don't know exactly what it is. So you dream it and then you get really detailed and you scheme it. It's like you dream up your blueprint for a wonderful house, then you make the plans really concrete on, on paper. Mm -hmm. Then you go into square three which I call the hero's saga. And that's about making the dream come true in the physical world. And that's like a butterfly sawing the top off his chrysalis and like uh, 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 pulling himself out. And it's very hard and making your dreams come true in that first stage of reality is super difficult. So that's square three, the hero's saga, the road of trials. Square four is when you've got your new identity, you sort of know who you are and it's working. Hmm. It's like, you're a butterfly now. You know, you hardly even remember being a caterpillar. And you can fly and float and sip at flowers and mate and reproduce and all that stuff. And all of this is the way we teach. My whole life coaching system, when people come into Wayfinder Life Coaching to be trained, is learning how to handle each one of these squares. Yeah. And it's yeah. like often I think when people are learning about the the change cycle and the and the four squares square four sort of just seems like the end you know you did it yeah um, but it is actually 
a space that we inhabit in our lives within mm-hmm. the change changes we go through, right? Yeah, and and the interesting um, the interesting thing to me is that square four it's like it's like being a potter who just has to kick the wheel every now and again. Mm. It's like it's relaxed and casual, but it's not inert, right? It's just that you've got processes at work and they are effective and they're it's working Mm, yeah so like um at work in our in our day job which is part of it is is doing the the life coach training and administering all of that we talk about you know different projects or different um things we're working on as being in you know oh this is still in square three and you know what we know about square three is that it's always like it's harder than you think it's going to be and so yeah. on and then but then there are aspects where we'll go you know this is actually in square four now like we've, yeah. we've run this uh system enough times in the real world yeah that we kind of it feels more like kicking the wheel than having to make a, a whole sculpture from scratch and actually we've corrected it so many times yeah we've corrected so many errors that now it's actually something we can relax into instead of continuing to tweak and build it even though we're still continuing to tweak some parts of it. and mm. it, But it's maintenance. It's mm. maintenance. Mm. And we can get into that in any area of life, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like the the this is sometimes the, the hardest thing to explain to people is that, that we go through huge changes and tiny changes and they all sort of follow the same um, cycle, but they're just on a different scale in our life. Fractals. So it could be like, you, sorry? Fractals. Google oh, fractals. You'll see the I thought, exact I, I thing. I swear to God, I thought you just said pterodactyls. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I am not following your logic, but okay, let's go there. <laughs> so like um, you can be in, in the change cycle in terms of like relationships or like the how, how you set out the pattern of a, of a typical day or work, career, but also like Oh, I'm really in square three in terms of how I like to have my coffee now. You know, like I have to try. <laughs> do I like stevia? Do I want to try it with honey? So yeah, so it can it can be at any level, but it's fractals in the same way you said, or pterodactyls. Um, <laughs> it it works the same whether it's yeah. tiny or big, right? And you kind of get it systematized. Like we just mm. um, sent Lila off to her preschool, mm. and you about lost your mind getting the system right because you yes. always. You really do the first two squares. You want something to happen and you you imagine it fully and then you have to go through the hard work of sewing labels into her clothing and getting her lunch. Like there was, and now you've got a system. You know what happens every morning. Right, you know Be- because the to me the thought of having to think of everything anew each day is so much more horrifying than having a really stressful week while, while everything is set up yeah it's good i mean it's great everything we need to get to square four in everything and when it's running it's it's wonderful it's like your car works they've worked it used to be that cars broke down all the time like all the time everybody had a little repair kit you remember that i thought i would remember it and you wouldn't no no Um, i do i do my mom even just recently said to me about her car which is the first new car she's ever owned. She's had it for about 15 years and uh, she gets very offended when people at the dealership tell her that, that it's older. And, and she goes, you know, this car, it's never broken down. Wow. Not once. And I'm like, yeah, no, but that's our expectation now, Mum. 
Yes, and it's getting it's interesting because we're at a point in our civilization where we have these fantastically complex systems that we really expect to work well. Like when mm. we go online, we want that pig. I want to see that, uh, you know, my video of the combat wombat. Actually, I just saw a wombat in a book and I thought that's a combat wombat. But if you download, sorry, if you download, <laughs> you Google combat wombat, you expect something to come back. And if it doesn't, you're like, this is, this is buggered. We expect... <laughs> <laughs> say that if you're not an American. No, My point is, we're at a place in technology where we expect all these systems to run smoothly, and that's great. But we're at a time in history when that expectation can put us in really big trouble. And I, we will talk much about more about that in a minute. Yes. Yeah. So, so. Square four in our culture, mm. I think, you know, it's fair to say that the culture sort of says, get where you're going and stay there, right? Right, right. Go there, stay there, you're good. Establish Go. an identity, decide to be a caterpillar, stay there. Yes. Uh, be Get so comfortable that you can be complacent. Mm. Uh, and it used to be more like that. It's like people really did. They'd get married. And they'd say, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life because life expectancy was like 30 years, right? So I'm going to get married and I'm going to hold on to, I am now a married person and that will never go away. I'm going to work it out and lock it in and never have to change it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like get married and hold yes. or find a career and hold. You train as a plumber and yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. But I think, so what's interesting about where we are now, I mean, we're going to talk about how much change we're experiencing, but mm. at the same time, I feel like um, we're in this impossible situation where we, where we grow with a preference to being at the destination, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, and I, I have a, a familiar rant on this podcast quite regularly about the kind of culture of convenience here yeah. in America. And some people might remember my quite famous cup holder mm. diatribe back in well, the we day. we determined that you Still get emails about my cup holder diatribe. 19 cup holders to, to prop up your existence throughout the day. There were 17. So, yeah, so we can, so we can um, get too comfortable yeah. and that's not nature. And because it's me, I have Ani DeFranco lyrics for every occasion of our lives. And here yes. is today's about the culture of complacency. She has a song, very good song called Splinter. Look it up. And these are the lyrics, some of the lyrics, not the entire <laughs> song. You have to go look it up for that. But she says something about this landscape just doesn't feel right. Hyper air conditioned and lit up all night. Like we just got to see how comfortable, comfortable can get. Mm. Like we can't even bring ourselves to sweat. <laughs> and I just love it. That should be your tattoo. I, I, I can't even. I can't, I can't even bring, bring myself, myself to, to sweat. sweat. And I'm gonna get it done in my armpit. <gasps> Genius <gasps> and art. Oh my god. Art and science meet inspiration. <laughs> Booyah! I can't even bring myself to sweat in each armpit. <laughs> Oh, my God, that's so good. 
Anyway, I think that people more mature than you will understand the very deep point that was being made there about complacency and the way that by wanting to always be comfortable, we're separating ourselves out from things like... The temperature. Right. The time of day. And it's it's understandable. It's an interesting dilemma because it's Mm. very understandable that we want to be comfortable. We want to save energy. We want things to be efficient. Um, But here's the thing. I said a minute ago that things are changing so fast that it's hard to be complacent about anything and Mm. be comfortable that it won't like the weather and be comfortable that it won't be different (laughs) Uh, in another 10, 5, 1 year. Um, So that's kind of getting dicey. And I also think that what Ani is pointing out is that our inner selves aren't really satisfied by that level of complacency either. Yes, that's right. So I was raised with the the protest songs. Was it in the 60s? The Tiki Taki song? Little boxes on the hillside and they're all made out of Tiki Taki? I don't think so. I think that's talking about the American suburbs after in the period after World War II, the 50s and 60s. And I don't know who sang it. And I don't know all the lyrics, but I do remember that it's about people being all made out of tiki-taki and they all look just the same and the houses look just the same and there's a doctor and a lawyer and a business executive and they all, they're all made out of tiki-taki and they all look just the same. So Anyone lo- who saw the Naughties era show Weeds would recognise it as the theme song for that show. So that was a naughty era, was it? It was, an, it was the naughty era. Hmm. Well, it points out that when everything gets that routinized and that systematized and everything's working right and everyone has the same yard and the same dog and the same car and the same job, it's freaking boring. It's horrible. It's soul crushing. Yeah, because it is a separation from some essential um, feeling of being alive, right? It's like convenience taken to a certain extreme is going to choke experience. Yeah, I'm starting to see what my physical therapist is talking to me about because she wants me to go out and run through the woods Mm. precisely so I won't be on a track that's predictable. She really, Mm. and and this is kind of what, what, she's really good. So I think the discipline has gotten to this. Our bodies are made to confront unexpected situations and positions and velocities all the time. And when I used to go to the gym and do the the same machines, Mm. I had strength in certain muscles but she never has me do the same thing twice. And part of it is getting strong in my muscles. And part of it is getting strong in my nervous system, including my brain, because there's a lot of evidence that shows that confronting challenges and predicaments and unfamiliar situations actually keeps the brain healthier and keeps mental health in place. So it, ironically, if you lock in and hold everything, you're your mind goes awry and when Mm. when things go awry your mind rises to the challenge and becomes healthier so how does that idea interact with your idea of square four Mm. well okay when i first started the whole life coaching system i really thought get to square four and hold Mm, right was the way to do it That was 20 some years ago. And even though I had studied social change and I knew it was accelerating, I really thought, ugh, who wants to be struggling with those first three squares all the time? 
So I myself was like, I grew up in a very sort of chaotic house where I I felt like we were really abnormal. We did not have the ticky tacky. We had more of a mold situation, <laughs> mold and chaos, driftwood, <laughs> driftwood. Yeah, like things in the corner that could speak to us, but we, we didn't. They didn't have human features. It was not your typical suburban house. Hmm. So. I grew up really trying to get normal, and I, I personally anchored into the cultural norms when I was in my early 20s. I was already becoming a professor. I already had a husband and kids. That's what you need. I had a job that I, it was a great job for a lifetime, get tenure, get locked in. I had a real marriage to an actual man, and there it was, gosh, the level of privilege that they just throw to you when you have a normal heterosexual mm. cis everything marriage amazing i had fabulous little children and my life was finished and uh then life started to say mm-hmm. think again <laughs> yeah. oh think again you gay oh think again you hate academia oh i just kept thinking again and thinking again and uh yeah, I, I, think, I don't think you were thinking. I don't think it was nah. a thought process. I think it was something no. else. It was more like running into a window, right into a plate glass door over and over. <laughs> so what about you? What was your experience with this in the culture? Yeah, I. you know, I think I have tried at various times to force myself into mm. square four, sort of from the same impulse, I guess, that you had of just – this is normal, you know, for me it was probably a little bit more like this is the mature thing to do at a certain time. You just settle sure. yourself down and you get oh, a yeah. real career and, you know, like when I um, I lived in, in Bangkok for a year and then I, like, decided after this no more travelling, no more going and living in other places. I know what I'll do. I'll get a dog oh. and that will force me to stay still forgetting how much my mum loves dogs and how she would do anything for me. <laughs> lock it um, in. That dog yeah. will lock you in. Yeah, like, and, you know, like just doing the dating apps, even if it made me miserable and stuff, Oof. getting a full-time job um, because it was like, it's time. It's time to be a grown-up. Yes. Oh. And, um, you know, I also think that there was, like, I was – I knew I was strangling my own joy, Hmm. but there was also, I think, this sense of weariness of Mm. I can't just keep endlessly not knowing what my job's going to be. You know, I can't just endlessly, you know, I'm, I'm sick of looking for someone to be in a relationship with. I'm Mm. like, so this person, whoever comes along, if, if, if I can live with it it would be better than the endless hunting and searching and trying and striving and I think that that's the like what the culture sells us on square four is it's just like now I can relax now I can stop trying so hard but I don't think that that's I no longer think that that is right that there is such a destination or or that there should be Right, and it's it's not fun to strive all the time. But here's the here's the way I would like parse that out. 
you were striving hard and striving hard is a good thing, but you were striving hard for things that were strangling your joy. And that's mm. not such a good thing. Mm. So when you let go of the cultural model of where you're supposed to be in square four, strive all you want for something that comes from your soul's heart. But sorry, right. mix those, mix that up. But um, because that doesn't really feel like striving then, does it? Just feels it like living can, like you and I both right and that can feel like striving for sure but it's striving for something that our hearts want us to do right usually yeah yeah, yeah. and and like you went through IVF which I just got to say for anybody out there who's, who's gone through infertility treatments they don't tell you how nobody tells you how hard it is physically psychologically it is really a massive striving undertaking hmm. and then and you did that and then you were like pregnant and you're like i'm gonna do this perfectly and you read all the books and you knew how to have a perfect pregnancy you had a birth yeah. plan you know exactly <laughs> how the birth would happen and then pandemic woo, fun! Yeah. and i remember you coming in all pregnant the like the second day of lockdown and saying i don't know whether they'll let me see this baby when she's born i don't know if I get this thing, if I can, you know, because pregnant women were more susceptible, at least we thought so at that time, and I think it's still true. All Babies the, all... were being separated at the oh, point of, of birth from so their mothers horrifying. to ostensibly protect them. Um, but also women were giving birth by themselves. They wouldn't, they weren't allowed to have a, a support person there during the birth for, for a period of time during the pandemic. So there was just so much uncertainty about what the conditions would be. And it's scary to think of being by yourself with a bunch of doctors yeah. having yeah. a baby. So well, yeah. whenever we feel, gnarly. whenever the stakes are high, it's so normal for us to want to hold and grasp a thing that is fixed, that we that is reliable, that we know exactly how it's going to happen. But that whole, the way your pregnancy worked really showed me, it doesn't matter how high the stakes are. We are living in a time where the pace and degree of change are like nothing humanity has ever seen before. Hmm. And that makes us able to plan things out way ahead of time. And it makes it more likely that things are going to go, things are going to scuttle our plans because like we had, this didn't scuttle our plans, but tornadoes now touch down on our street in Pennsylvania. Well, where, it scuttled some of our plans not to spend the evening in our basement. Yeah. It's, I think it scuttled a lot of Adam's plans. Oh, poor Adam. <laughs> Our son Adam, he looks out, he's like... Uh, is that a tornado? Yes, Down syndrome, if you haven't been listening. And um, we have to tell him. And he does the little round and round motion. And we're like, no, no, no. Those only happen in the Midwest. And it's like, here it comes again. So, yeah, we're, t we're living in this time. And I, I knew, as I said, back in my 20s, even when I was trying to grab and hold uh, stability, that we were going to go into a time of basically vertical growth in change. And I remember thinking when I did this study, uh, wow, a career is not like a train anymore. We were looking at uh, 20 year patterns of career careers for uh, graduates of Harvard Business School. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's not a train track anymore. It's like, it's more like a car. You can drive it around. Maybe it even goes off road. <laughs> and then I realized that there is no road that we are in conditions that are more like 
a choppy ocean with large swells. I just watched a whole bunch of huge wave surfer videos. Not because I surf, but because it reminds me of what we're going through in our lives. Everybody, right? You're like, there's this dude on a board in this wave that's, they're always going for the hundred foot wave, which is like, if you fell from a hundred feet, it would kill you. And they're up on these waves and they're surfing them. And I just stare at them and think that's actually how we can do square four now. It's the only way. <laughs> Those cup holders are starting to look better and better to exactly. me. Exactly. Grab the cup holders. They may be your only defense. Oh my gosh. All right. So scary. Mm. change square four doesn't look like it used to look Mm -hmm. if it ever did Mm -hmm. so for god's sake how do we come to our senses you know when i'm gonna tell you when in a minute for almost 30 years i've been teaching people to do something that i call reading your internal compasses i believe we are all born with direction finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny Uh, A few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star. All right, let's figure this out. Let's do it, Rowie. Let's do it. So we were talking recently, Marty, about a mutual friend of ours who has, who we love very dearly, but who has a tendency to make very big proclamations about their life. Like they're just, here, I've discovered the truth. Here is the truth. And henceforth, 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 very actually not a, not an untrue slip of the tongue that. (laughs) Henceforth. Henceforth. Hence the fourth, I will live according to this solemn vow. And now I will be vegan. And then you talk to him three weeks later. And now I eat nothing but meat. Yeah. It's adorable. (laughs) It's adorable. It's somebody really trying to do square four right, but Mm -hmm. kind of going with an old pattern. Yeah, because it's not what nature says, is it? No, only the culture says grab something, make a proclamation and hang on to it forever. And, you know, they're like, they even have professions. I'm, I recently met a retired monk and wow, how cool to have a thing where he could just say, I'm going to be a monk and that's it forever. And the culture has categories like that for us, but nature does not. Because you know what? You might meet a retired monk, but you'll never meet a retired monkey. Oh, yeah. Wait, everybody. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I don't Monk know what culture. Bitches. I don't know what everyone else. Monkey thinks. is goddamn nature. My hat, my figurative hat, is off to you, Thank Rowan you. Mangan. Thank you. You'll well, I hope you them. enjoy it because you're never going to get a, a <laughs> mic drop as cool as that one Booyah! ever again. Booyah! Booyah! Yeah. Na- in nature, everything's always changing. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. So you don't have that, like, instead of. Here's your marriage. Okay, you've got marriage tick, career tick, and then it's mm-hmm. like, you've made it, kid. 
Um, yeah. Now, square four for us, so many of us, for most of us, um, I, is more I, like, okay, like you're on your surfboard and it's like, all right, so this week, all right, blah, we just figured it, we just found out that tomorrow is a Monday and we, our daughter's school's closed. So it's like, all right, surfboard, rearrange Rethink your position. Everything. All right, whew, um, this week is going to be, all right, so the next hour is going to be, and that's that's how we do square four. We can have square four for an hour. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And what nature offers us is a, an image of something that is continuously changing. And from that position, a sort of reevaluation of what it means to hold on, what it means to last. And it's an image that incorporates an infinite number of unimagined variations. You watch hmm. a tree. I'm looking at the trees outside our windows. And they go through the same cycle, you know, new growth, midsummer, autumn, and sleep, which is what trees do in the winter. But every time they do it, it looks different. Every time they do it, there's a there are, the temperature is different. The tulip poplar drops some of its leaves because we've had an unusually wet summer because of climate change. There are new birds in the trees. There are invasive bug species that they have to defend against. So they're never the same. They're always changing and it's a total peace. And there is a regularity to it, but it's because it's it flows with the variations that come up. Yeah. Yeah, the the variability of the within the regularity something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And that reevaluation, I think we can make that click in our minds. The way we value a moment, the way we value a day, the way we value the rest of our lives. Yeah, but I think we're always having to strip back what what the culture has has tried to make us believe about what the trajectory should look like of life. Yes, right? yes. I was relatively recently. We were at a concert. Guess it- whose? <laughs> <laughs> Might have been an Ani DeFranco concert. I'm not prepared Maybe. to be drawn on this. I don't really remember because she's not interesting enough to remember. She's fabulous. Okay, go on. All right. So we're at this concert, hadn't started yet, and I went to the bathroom. And <laughs> there was a conversation going on while ladies peed. Um mm. And Actually, while people peed, it was it was an all gender bathroom, gen- but there were all gender. Uh, but it was interesting because the genders were actually still, for the most part, peeing in different ways, <laughs> peeing in different rooms. Oh, interesting! I it was interesting. Okay. Yeah, but I think the point is they could feel comfortable going where they were comfortable. Yeah, it was great. In in my area, there were some people sitting down to pee, and a conversation was happening that was like, ah. Oh, we thought we got here so early thinking we'd be sure to get a seat only to find that we've got to this gig and it's it's only standing room and, man, we're so lame, we're so old. And I was waiting to wash my hands after this person and I said to her, we just had the exact same conversation <laughs> that we got early so we were going to get a seat and then we're so lame, we're so old. Um, we don't want to stand up all night but, of course, in the end we freaking loved it so um but what this woman said to me that was so cool and it was like god you have some really interesting like short encounters with people sometimes and she said but what's cool about the fact that we're old and we're at this gig here tonight is that we've lived long enough and we've loved Annie's music long enough that 
we've both had the experience of seeing her in big venues, right? Really mm. big venues where it's like it's great, but it's a completely different experience. And now we get to see her in this intimate one. And it was, well, it was a transporting gig. Yeah. So what the culture says about Annie DeFranco's career trajectory is that you start out, you know, in in basement bar music venues uh-huh. and then you expand and you expand and you expand until your Taylor Swift yeah. era's tour yeah. and it's all arenas and stuff. Yeah. And so, you know, growth, growth, growth at all costs. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and what I loved about what she, and I know for sure that Anita Franco would think that was bullshit mm. and her career did get to that sort of er, er, playing in arenas point but what happened in this room at this gig that we went to was you had people who loved her music so much squished up against each other all standing up even though they were old jumping up and down yeah everyone in the goddamn room knowing every word to the song and it was heaven and that's where nature, where culture says, just grow and grow and get bigger and bigger. Nature is yeah. saying distill, enhance, mm. like savor, ripen, age, yeah. you know. Yeah, like, age means something beautiful when it's a wine, right? Like right. What, if we, what if you can age into something more more delicate, more uh, multifaceted? Yeah. More complex. And yeah. You know, and I just, it, it also just made me think of the Cheryl Strayed title, you know, which I think they made into a TV show, Tiny Beautiful Things, and mm. how a lot of beautiful things are tiny. And the yeah. more we can recognize the, the beauty in, in a lot of tiny things, yeah. the the more, I, I don't know, I feel like the more we're, we're holding steady on our surfboard. Yeah. Well, I loved, I loved seeing her too, because she's, it was her birthday. We actually saw her perform on her birthday. And I don't know how old she is, but I think like mid fifties. Um, but I couldn't tell if she was wearing any makeup at all. I don't think so. Her hair wasn't no, particularly she usually wear makeup. Um and she was she was one of those she's one of those people who is ripening into age instead of just aging. It was like mm. she was completely comfortable being a tiny, beautiful thing. She is tiny and beautiful. But she's beautiful in a way that she's. it, it seems indifferent to age. Like she really doesn't Might, I, might I provide you with a lyric on this topic? What? You know lyrics off the cuff, not even tattooed on your wrist? <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> So she has a line, it took me too long to realise that I don't take good pictures because I have the kind of beauty that moves. Mm. Now, if that's not culture and nature. And that's our whole point about square four is it's flow, move, shift, let go, let go. And the holding on, the gripping is actually a way to destroy your life. Like if you are in Liz Gilbert's... um, Sorry, that was a shift of something. It wasn't you're in Liz Gilbert's house or anything. It's if you're in a relationship uh, and you're hanging on after it wants to let go, you want a square four that is no longer viable, Hmm. you can hang on to something that becomes grotesque and horrifying. Right. Oh, yeah. in Eat, Pray, Love, Liz talks about her divorce and her friend saying, the day is ending, it's time for something that was beautiful to turn into something else that is beautiful. Now let go. 
And what happens then, we've been taught to believe that if you let go, what happens is the abyss, the chaos, ah, fragmentation, destruction. Instead, what comes up is exactly what comes up after the forest has lain fallow for a season in winter. And what happens is a new season of generative, you know, explosion of creativity. Like if you're in a state of continuous creativity and that's your surfboard, if you're just, um, if you're saying, okay, this is where I am, but where I am is the appreciation of the tiny beautiful things and the appreciation of the flow of things. And you're willing to let something that is beautiful give way to something else that is beautiful, then square four becomes joyful mm. instead of frightening or stale and tight. Right? And you you have, in when you're teaching the Wayfinder program, you have little mantras for each of the squares and, right. and um, for square four, it's everything is changing and that's okay. Well, everything is still changing. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, so square one is, I don't know what the hell's going on and that's okay if something's just happened to you. Then uh, square two is there are no rules. The old rules are all gone. I can be whoever I want to, and that's okay. Square three is this is a lot harder than I thought it would be, and that's okay. And square four, when I wrote this down in a book, it was change is coming, and that's huh. okay. Right. But I change it now to change is continuous. Change is always happening, and that's okay. And that's okay. So I guess what we're kind of, proposing here Marty is that we all kind of try and do square do our square fours differently so that we're instead of a kind of complacent or tightly held square four we're doing a creative square four we're doing a receptive square four where we're on the lookout for the next change and we're ready to greet it instead of trying to fend it off somehow right I did I love this TV series called uh, The 100 Foot Wave, which I watched when we were on our way to Australia and on the way back. No, 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 no. Bear with me now (laughs) because they go out looking for the biggest waves there are and they see them coming and they're moving so fast that it takes a jet ski to put the surfer in place, right? So he's surfboarding, you know, like he's uh, water skiing behind a jet ski and the jet ski tries to put him at the very top or her, some of them were women. at the very top of this massive wave. And there's this moment where they decide, do I let go or do I hang on? And one guy took his wife out and she was a brilliant surfer herself, but it was such a huge wave that she hung on and she got thoroughly smashed. Like the wave took her, it mashed her. And she said, I'm never gonna do that again because I like breathing, thank you very much. It's a fun habit, I wanna keep it up. I respect and admire that person. (laughs) I do too, because that's the way that's where her nature is taking her. But you'd see people at this moment where if they if they let go, they were facing this unbelievable monstrous wave, but if they hung on, it for sure would kill them. <laughs> so at the moment they let go of the rope, I always get this little electric spark inside me because I felt that before, not in surfing, but in life. I'm on the lip of a huge change okay, you know, you came into my life. We all fell in love, the three of us. And it was either shut this down, it's weird, it's strange, I can't do this, or drop the rope and take the wave. Knowing that in your metaphor, holding on 
could crush all your bones too. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not like yeah. I'll stick to safety because there's no such it thing isn't. as safety. It isn't. After we'd all had that bizarre falling in love with three people that we were so baffled by, and nature did it because we didn't control that at all. But if we'd tried to go back to normal, I think it would have destroyed my soul. I really do. Mm. It was that intense. So, and I do think that we get guidance in this very difficult time that is, and so we know something's telling us this is the way, drop the rope. And it's super scary, but the ride is also really fun. And in light of all this, as we've discussed it, Ro came up with the most brilliant life motto. I really mm. want to just, I subscribe to it myself, and I think I will get this tattooed on my body. So, Roe, please tell our listeners about our new forever vow. Well, I wanted to be like our friend who who makes proclamations, mm. and mm. Um, you know, it's sort of in the same, yeah, the same part of me that wants to get an awesome song lyric tattooed on my body. So, I, yeah, I was talking to Marty, and I, I finally like really felt it inside myself. And so, as of probably a week ago, mm. I have now made a solemn vow, yes, to for the rest of my life, yeah, see how it goes. Boom. Yep. Yeah, every day. Night drop. Every minute. I will never deviate from this way of living. I will just see how it goes. I will see how it goes. Mm. Abso-freaking-lutely. That's how you do square four in this day and age. So whatever you're facing, you know, if you're facing um, a shock or if you're uh, just like gliding along thinking everything's fixed and fabulous and you start to go, oh, but everything changes, I'm getting scared. Take a deep breath. Realize that you were born, nature wants you to surf this. You were born with the capacity to do this. Culture says it has to be rigid, but your nature can flow, wants to flow Mm. with whatever happens to you. So let go of the rope, like drop the rope and see what new beautiful thing that you've never imagined comes to fill the place you thought where you would never change again mm. and as you let go don't forget stay, stay wild. wild we hope you're enjoying bewildered if you're in the usa and want to be notified when a new episode comes out text the word wild to 570-873-0144 we're also on instagram our handle is bewildered podcast You can follow us to get updates, hear funny snippets and outtakes, and chat with other fans of the show. Bewildered is produced by Scott Forster with support from the brilliant team at MBI. And remember, if you're having fun, please rate and review and stay wild. You know, what I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of fear and a growing amount of despair. Maybe you're feeling that way too, because the ways our culture has taught us to navigate the world, to navigate our lives, they are failing us. We need a new language. We need a new set of tools to find our way individually and as a group. And I know we can still do this. I put everything I do know about it into Wayfinder Life Coach Training. And the tools that I teach there 
are to help people redefine how we relate to each other, how we make a living, how we do community. We can only change the world for the better if we redefine how we think. And the world needs Wayfinders now more than ever. So please go to MarthaBeck.com and you'll find your way.